Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I am very happy to have with me as my guest, one of my oldest and dearest friends in the integral world, and that is Terry Patton. Hey, Terry. Hey, Jeff. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Good to have you. Um, I know many of you are very familiar with Terry Patton and his work, and um, but for those of you who don't know Terry and are new to this, Terry is one of the pillars of the integral community. Terry will have a marble bust in the pantheon <laughs> of the integral cathedral. Uh, <laughs> you and I started working together 14 years ago, I realized, Terry. We were, wow. we were part yeah. of those original integral That's institute right. seminars. And we've done a couple dozen workshops and trainings and stuff since then together. And yep. so we have been around the block. And, um, and Terry also hosts a very popular online series, Beyond Awakening, where he interviews cool people on all kinds of big questions. He's the founder of Bay Area Integral. And um, yeah, my dear brother. And today, Terry, you're on to uh, talk to us about what I think is probably the culmination of your life's work, right? This new it really book. is, yeah. yeah. This new book that is just released, which I love, and I think is a real <laughs> contribution to the integral scene. That's A New Republic of the Heart, An Ethos for Revolutionaries. And there it is. I'm holding it up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess let's just start with a um, sort of a thesis. You know, what brought you to this? What do you... Bring it to the party and, and, you know, how's it, how's it unfolding? Well, you know, Jeff, uh, they, in a way it's circular because once you're uh, to some degree really awakened to an integral vision and an evolutionary understanding, everything is processed and everything is connected to everything else. It's a, like a holographic structure to reality. So in, in some sense, this book is, uh, it's where I began, but it's also where I was heading to <laughs> all along. Uh, you know, I was raised in uh, this place outside Chicago, the York Center Community Co-op, which was uh, uh, really uh, was founded by members of one of the peace churches, the per Church of the Brethren. And they invited people of other races and religions to come and join them in a cooperative form of ownership. And their principles were to... Uh, be a witness for peace and brotherhood. So I had all these aunts and uncles who kind of mentored me when I was in high school in being an activist, essentially. So I was kind of raised to be a radical. I was raised yeah. to be a revolutionary. You were raised by radicals. And I was SDS regional coordinator, and I led campus things at the University of Michigan. I, was, I had, you know, a total activist beginnings. And, but then I realized that I didn't possess the level of wisdom and depth that could repattern the world in a way that would really be truly better. And that I, if I, if I wanted to create a revolution out there, I'd better begin with me. And so that drew me to, well, you know, at first it was just, gosh, I, I, I thought, well, maybe I should go into therapy. You know, I, I didn't feel so neurotic exactly, but I was trying to grow, you know, just like the human potential movement to higher reaches of my own capacity. And not that I wasn't like everybody else neurotic. Don't get me wrong. I certainly had my stuff. But it, my, my motives had to do with this larger view of things. And, and then I found my way to the human potential movement and through that uh, to my spiritual teacher, Adi Da, 15 years in an ashram. And from that, a recognition that, that radical approach to repatterning one's consciousness had to be integral and uh, it drew me out of the merely inward work to a, a four quadrant approach. And yet even that I am now realizing has to, well, to be truly four quadrant, it, it, it really, the, the inner work has to be linked to outer work. And, 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 and then there was also this recognition about what time it is on the planet. Mm -hmm. The, uh, degree of crisis and predicament and the kind of the accelerando, the complexification, the, uh, the dynamics of, of, of society are such that 
that whole body integrated inner outer work is it, it's kind of we're being called the, the like in in robert's rules of order you can force a vote by calling the question and it's it's as if the whole context of our you know our ecological foundations is calling the question who who, who well, are we when the chips are down yeah and 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 i love how you i mean it's it's truly integral and it feels like you're you know charting out new integral territory for us to inhabit and explore and and i love how you put it i think i actually copied it down here you say many political activists become burnt out and embittered because they focus only on the outer work many spirit, spiritual practitioners become solipsistic and ineffectual because they focus on the inner work. And, you know, we need a time of integration. Both are only doing half the work. And that feels exciting to me because it makes what I'm doing in the world more meaningful. I mean, just how I'm living my life and where I'm putting my energy. Uh, it just makes it more meaningful. Absolutely. You know, for me, the uh, this this book comes out of a series of insights that deepen have deepened my being in apparently completely contradictory ways. Uh, spiritual awakening draws me into a, a beginner's mind, a spacious freedom, you know, an expanded heart that knows that what is could not possibly be a problem. And that, you know, I'm drawn into a kind of radical trust of, of, of existence. But paying attention to the uh, circumstantial relative world, you know, the, the source of that freedom is, is, is a transcendental one. Uh, you know, you can be sitting in bliss on your cushion, but if uh, a hurricane floods your communion hall, <laughs> I'm sorry, the relative matters. <laughs> you, you can't just take refuge in the absolute. And, the, and the, the moment that we're in is one in which, you know, our best scientists, scientific modeling of, of, our, of our circumstance, uh, we, we, you know, we just received this, what was it, 1,500 high-level scientists, you know, re rejoined something from the 90s that was only, I think, 100 Nobel laureates and other illustrious top scientists, you know, warning, issuing a warning to humanity. The doomsday clock is two minutes to midnight. There, there are a variety of ways of, of looking at it, but particularly global warming is the one we all have in our sights, you know, the, the implications of, of, of the actual measurements, uh, you know, they're tracking worse than the worst case projections of the IPCC. And the implications of that are disruptions of the human social world that have profound uh, economic and political and social implications. And people are largely necessarily socially on a large scale in denial. We're all in denial because we're social creatures and we partake of a social surround, which is itself in denial. It's not something we can hope not to partake of. This, right. A certain amount of this is in the drinking water. Well, 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 okay, so this is a perfect example. And this is one that I know most people in the integral community are feeling and, and they're worked up over and they want to help. So. Here we have a new ethos for evolutionaries, revolutionaries, uh, evolutionary activism. Give us some guidance. What do we do? Well, the, 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 the biggest guidance I need to give you, oddly enough, is, is, is a shift in the ground of your being to living in the pressure of that not knowing altogether what to do and feeling stretched to do more. Because we have to inhabit that together and not just quickly imagine that we can relieve it. We can't take a look at this, clarify a certain strategy. Oh, I'm doing the best thing I could be doing and just charge ahead and feel relieved of the pressure to consider it further. We actually have to live in the pressure. I, I use the metaphor of a, a, a Japanese Zen koan. 
We have to live in the pressure of an impossible question that is repatterning us because actually all of our current solutions, even anything I can offer, is inherently to some degree partial. We're in the midst of uh, a moment in which the future will be radically different than the past. Exactly how that will happen will include some wonders and some amazing positive disruption. disruption. (laughs) It won't just be bad news. It'll be this interplay of these kind of black swan, you know, radically important, unpredictable events are going to make things way better than we could have imagined, way worse than we could have imagined, in an order we can't predict. And therefore, no conscious strategy is itself fully sufficient. However, we know a lot about what won't work and what can't work. And most people are devoted to approaches that are completely inadequate to the complexity of our, of our moment. So what you can do, first of all, is to, is to let the seriousness of our situation profoundly shift your mode of being and be relieved of that by letting the inherently uh, trustable, gorgeous, um, liberating implications of the good news also deepen, you know, we need to be deepened into sobriety and then deepened beyond that sobriety into a kind of trust of being and deeper yet again and deeper yet again, kind of there's a titrating of our being that breaks us out of any fixed stance. Okay. And uh, how do we do that? I mean, that's a, that's a practice of what, of, I actually have a couple of things from your book I could throw out, but, yeah. uh, you know, like, who are you not listening to? Right. Um, you know, you make a claim that I'm not sure is true, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you, have you explain it, that the hero is going to be a community more than it is an individual in this new environment. Uh, uh, just let maybe just start there. You know, sure. and, and, and actually, in the most practical way you can, in terms of here we are, we're watching this podcast, we get this, uh, and we want to get it deeper, and we want to do these things you're talking about, and, you know, so help us. Well, <clears throat> you know, in very practical terms, there are a lot of things that are, I think, pretty obvious to both you and me that probably ought to be named. Recognizing that your whole life is a practice that however you're being, you're patterning and making more likely in the future, it's really important to keep waking up, to keep interrupting your habit pattern, to keep waking up out of the unconscious trance that we all tend to go into all the time. And to do that through practices of body, mind, spirit, uh, shadow, soul, uh, in, in a systematic integral life practice in, in a way that's in, informed by the uh, highest awakened wisdom of mankind's traditions. And uh, it's also important to be bringing that forward as a practitioner in your work and in your life and to recognize that you have a social responsibility, that we are alive in a time in which an evolutionary uh, convergence that has implications for the whole future of life on the planet, our, our grandkids and great-grandkids and, you know, all future generations of all species are, are going to be profoundly affected by events that are going to happen in the rest of our lifetime. And that nothing could have more moral force, so it matters how we show up, that there's some degree of distributed responsibility for the behavior of the human species. Some of it lands with each of us. We are, we are being that which is creating the future. The future is emergent. It's not certain. How we show up will co-create it. And so taking that really to, to heart, taking that seriously, recognizing that you're in a community, a, a, a social surround, TV, all the rest, that's drawing you into a superficial kind of a mind in which nobody takes any responsibility and, and waking up out of that illusory relationship to experience for sure. And then there are a lot of practical things. I think it is important to participate in the system as a voter and as a, you know, all your integral commentary on on politics is part of being an informed citizen of the United States of America or or the world in some cases and not all national uh, frames. 
and and that's super important. I, I think you know. Well, it's, it's it's if I could just interrupt. It's 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 like when we were doing the integral living room and we were talking to Ken Wilbur about this, and you know, and evolutionary activism. I think that was the theme of the of the event that we were doing, and um, and he said the best thing you could do is help people be more integral. Just educate, yeah. educate integral. Transmit. His, well, his argument is that this 10% tipping point uh, is the hope for, uh, for human culture, is, is for enough people to wake up enough. And, and he thinks that the education into the model is going to be the thing that's going to be the most effective. Um, I think that that's a valid form of activism, but not the only valid form of activism. And that, in fact it's pretty important that we recognize responsibilities in a lot of different domains simultaneously. That, you know, particularly right now in the Trump era with the, you know, outrage du jour. uh, (laughs) (laughs) This guy, Terry. I know. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. I was just reading an article in the New Yorker about stink bugs. What do you do when 26,000 stink bugs invade your home? It's a big new problem, actually. Oh, uh, Lord. Spreading across the country from the East Coast to the West. These are, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. It's like that. I mean, this guy, it's like this, this, this boorish uncle who smells bad has gotten into your home. And his smell is now on all the ro- carpets and drapes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I know. The you Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. 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 It, it, the stink bug of, of, of Donald right, well, Trump. Well, even, even that, Terry. So here we are. A lot of people are outraged by Trump. I mean, we get into the political system. We, um, you know, bring an intelligence to it. We bring a sort of a flex flow mind to it. Uh, we don't get grip as gripped as we did when we were monoperspectival. We try to listen to the other side. Uh, we, 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 we value science for what it brings, you know. Um, we have a world-centric view that thinks in terms of the whole planet and thinks in terms of multiple generations. And we want to integrate those. Um, but again, this is all in the interiors. <laughs> and this right. is really important. Uh, and then I guess we just do what it is. We actually, I love how you told in your book uh, how to let how to be guided into what to actually do. And you made a distinction between following one's bliss and following one's heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tell us about that. that well, was- uh, you know, there's a a very well known injunction from Joseph Campbell uh, that one should follow one's bliss. And there's actually some profundity to that, that that what really makes your heart sing and draws you is is a guide to your own self-actualization and your soul's, you know, real genius and special expression. And yet, in our circumstance, we're clearly in a world severely out of balance, and there are all kinds of pressing issues, the racial gender, uh, social justice, inequality, but, you know, especially the environmental, ecological predicament that we're all in, treatment of animals, factory farming, you, you name it, on and on. And people know that they have some responsibility to make a difference in the larger world, but how, what, what issue do I pick? What, what form of activism is appropriate? And in response to that, Andrew Harvey suggested one should follow one's heartbreak. Whatever really tugs at your heart and you feel yourself caring for, go to that. Do the thing that you that, that really moves you most deeply. And I think that that's true, but it, it also has to be the place where your unique contribution, where you bring something nobody else could bring, and where your genius, therefore, comes forward. So I... Uh, uh, I, I suggest that we should follow our heartbreak and our genius. But then I add something else, which is that this isn't something that one can really 
we can't relate to any of these collective challenges, the, the, the ecological predicament, particularly, all by ourselves. You know, it, it's going to take coordinated responses by large groups of people. So I add the, the fact that we have to do it collectively. We have to do it in relation to others. So my, my line is follow your heartbreak and your genius with your friends. Mm -hmm. And that and that really rounds it out. And for me, that is an expression of how to how to relate to the the tug toward activism. Uh, and yet, I, I think that the, the the ecological predicament is the thing that can unite us more than anything else, because everybody has that in common. You know, the, the everybody's well being. Well, certainly not the same worldview about it in common. We don't have the same worldview about it. Well, no. right now, I think that there's a potential though for a coming together of everybody at a world-centric or higher value structure. Because Trump, I think, is creating a, a potentially unifying challenge. Right now, we have no coherence among people who are world-centric and higher. We have uh, conspiracy theories, uh, the, the post-truth, post-modernist environment. We have... Uh, uh, Grievance politics. Uh, we we have. Uh, I, I I think that that the we do need to unite in order to preserve to prevent some cultural regression. And 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 at this point, the Republican Party's been co opted by by Trump in a way that you know does need to be opposed. But I think that the that. The issue that we can and need to unite around is the modern foundations of all the world-centric values structures. That, that for that reason, although I totally disagree with Steven Pinker in the end, I disagree with Sam Harris in the end, that modern uh, defense of the Enlightenment project of, of science and of uh, objectivity and of uh, reason is the thing around which we should and can unite. And I think that that, that is the, the, the place where a line is being drawn in the sand. And it's gonna be very important for postmodernists to get more radical than they are and not simply oppose modernists, but get beyond that to the point where instead of getting mad, they get even by joining with modernists and helping draw the whole world-centric world ultimately to an integral orientation far, far beyond the, uh, the merely, you know, uh, flatland orientation. That and that's your critique of Pinker and Harris. That's, it is. that's why you would say that you disagree with Pinker in the end. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, and explain that just a bit for our listeners. Sure. Well, uh, many, many, you know, the people who are most, powerfully creating the future right now. Elon Musk, Larry Page, Bill Gates, and, and, and the thinkers who surround them and with whom they're most aligned. Are, Chief of whom is Pinker. Yeah, at this moment, especially with his new book, Enlightenment Now, yeah. right you know, <clears throat> in front of us everywhere we look. The, the 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 argument there is it's it's a materialistic view of of existence. It's it's shorn of interiority and depth. It's as if all we are is a, a material beings, frisky dirt in 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 progress. Our our thoughts are the byproduct of mechanical biological processes, everything is determined. That's one of uh, Harris's big claims is that there's no free will. And this uh, view of existence uh, is what Ken calls flatland. It, it, it shears off depth and dimensionality. It doesn't respect interiority as deeply as it needs to. Sam Harris is a much better version of that with his experience as a meditator he he brings a much more nuanced view but it's still reductive and in the end i uh, i think it needs to be i think it can be a tyranny i i think that there are real uh, real issues but our differences are less fundamental than our differences 
with Trump and the people who are willing to enable a regression to an opportunistic red uh, uh, might makes right bullying kind of uh, adjudication of power uh, dynamics in the public sphere. That has well, that, well, let me suggest one way we could do that. And that is to reframe that I don't agree with Pinker in the end. I mean, I don't either for the same reasons you say, but I bow to him in his use of science to demonstrate a story of progress and rehabilitate the idea of progress in a way that I think is going to be part of the, the uh, orientation of this new uh, activism that you're talking about. That we're actually writing a, an updraft of the unfoldment of goodness, truth, and beauty that is um, worth recognizing. Well, it... It, it is. And is not being recognized. <clears throat> well, I think that the, the valorization of reason and science and the, the actual practice of journalism as opposed to uh, the Fox News type of journalism and the decrying of real journalism as fake news by the president, but this kind of blurring of the line, the use of postmodern relativism to justify opportunistic uh, abandonment of responsibility to any kind of uh, objective reality is the issue of our time. That's where I agree with you and Pinker and Sam Harris, and we're all on the same team relative to what's going to probably be the defining issue of this year, the 2018 election cycle. And in that, we need to unite. And it matters. And I think that every uh, conscious practitioner has an obligation to participate. I, I identify a taxonomy of activism in the book, in the system, against the system, and around the system. And I think in the system, activism is a moral responsibility in this time. Things are too close. There's too much damage being done by, uh, by Trump and, and his allies. And we have to make a difference. Every, you know, the whole world will be affected by it. Only Americans have a vote. Only Americans can participate in the system in the, you know, all the ways we can. It's important that we do. I mean, pe people in other countries can give donations to... Uh, the ACLU or the Natural Resources Defense Council, and some of that money might affect politics in the United States. And I encourage people overseas to be doing that sort of thing. On the other hand, uh, this this kind of engagement, we're, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder in that understanding. And, and, and Would you and, say there's something good coming out of Trump? Well, that's my whole point. I say make that point in the book. I, yeah. I say uh, what... Uh, what is it that's beautiful about the ugly Mr. Trump? <laughs> and uh, I think the beautiful thing is that in retrospect, we may see that he created the crisis that required uh, a new mobilization and engagement and civic involvement that became the, the basis for a cultural renewal that yeah. we will all have come to appreciate. And, well, I think you also mentioned the, 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 the pattern that is often cited about the, you know, just how cultures polarize and then yeah. they have a new integration. That's right. And, you know, historically that moving from polarization to new integration involved a war. Um, at this stage of the game, my thesis is that we are center of gravity modern enough that we will merely have an intense culture war, which we are having. And Trump may be, you know, I mean, how can you top that? I mean, you know. We, Why would you even uh, want to? I huh. think I think the Democrats ought to run <laughs> Kanye West just to even think about <laughs> But otherwise, I can't see it getting any more extreme. <laughs> so maybe, and also if you look at millennials, if you look at young people, you look at these, Mar these Stoneman kids, they have a flexibility and capacity of mind that uh, is giving me some heart in all of this. It feels like it's part of what you're talking about 
that yes, you could join it. You can join at any age. Exactly. No, I, I think that there's actual actually a moment when we all ought to be more activist. The, you know, I'm looking around to see how I can participate in the the Never Again March on March 24th. I mean, there are yeah, there are ways that that there are times when uh, uh, just stepping back and seeing the picture in a bigger way is an abandonment of responsibility. And I think we're in one now where we're compelled to be active in, in a way we hadn't been before. But that uh, that's only one dimension of the message of this book. It doesn't reduce down to politics at all. It has to do with a shift in our way of being. And that's why the title of it, A New Republic of the Heart, it has to do with locating ourselves effectively in a new in loyalty to a, a new stage of human evolution, which is like a new nation. We, are, we belong to the nation of that higher uh, functioning and, that, and, 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 and a kind of uh, others, others, too, who have an intuition of this possibility are our fellows, our brothers and sisters in that new possibility. And for us to uh, recognize that they're counting on us, that our participation from that ground is, is, I can't do this without you. I need you. Mm -hmm. Each of us needs all of the rest of us. And, and, and we have all kinds of habits of mind that, you know, like practice, the way we first described integral life practice was like it was a solo affair. My body, my mind, my spirit, my shadow work, ever, each of us doing our own separate project. But we're confronted right now with evolutionary imperatives that we all hold in common. We're, we're being given a, an assignment by life that is not something we can respond to except together. And, you know, and that's tough. As, as you and I uh, have joked uh, on, on, on other occasions, you know, I love humanity, but people. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> exactly. People. Huh? <laughs> no. and, and we're going to have to really begin to deal with that at a different level. We're, you know, our capacity to come together and be effective together is going to be important. We're going to well, have to have something of a different kind and quality. And I think that's actually uh, true of the culture at large, too. And I think it's happening in the way that a lot of people decry. And that is this, you know, demonization of the other and the um, uh, all these arguments on this comment section and so forth. I see a fruitfulness to that. I see, you know, that's part of the continued differentiation, for one thing. But it also is a stage of development. Uh, that uh, that exists until it becomes boring, and uh, and in that process, if you read, these comments, <laughs> so it's a good thing because as as uh, uh, repellent and dysfunctional as it might be seen from a certain perspective, it is effectively exhausting the perspective itself and becoming boring. And by doing its thing, it's making itself obsolete. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. It's, it, it's not unlike 10-year-olds growing into 13, 14-year-olds. All of a sudden, it's just not so interesting to wrestle, you know, yeah. or, or yeah. wrestling becomes interesting in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrestle with the girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you wrestle with the girls, I'll, I'll stick with the guys. But you know, either way, it, yeah. but, it, but there is something that is, first of all, exhausting. That's why we see uh, younger people being bored by our boomer arguments, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's um, that's encouraging. <laughs> mm. Mm. So anyway, let me ask you this, Terry. Is there somebody you would point to as an example of what you're talking about uh, or a group of people or, you know, somebody who's actually actualizing this in the ground the the sangha you mean the the, the enlightened sangha yes i mean i think there are individual i've i've become much much more appreciative of 
certain green activists that uh, integralists don't usually spend time focusing on and appreciating. Joanna Macy is an amazing exemplar. I mean, her work and the quality of her presence is remarkable. She really deserves a, a second look by every integralist. Uh, and, and the kinds of I agree. communities that, you know, her, her unique contribution was grief work. So the people just dealing with their grief over the state of the world, it drops us out of a abstracted, uh, disembodied kind of relationship. I mean, good God, the, uh, you know, the pro projections of what's, of what's happening with climate change are, are, are so horrific. Big, big swaths of the earth becoming deserts and becoming uninhabitable for a good long period of time. I mean, hundreds of years, you know, stimulating huge refugee flows, the, 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 the kinds of, it's so hard to be with that. And for her, her, her bridging people and deepening people into the contact with that is a really profound and good thing. Now, as integralists, we would say, yeah, but that's not the end point. Don't just hang out in that. Well, as, as, as one integralist on this side of the camera would say, that's not even necessarily going to happen. Uh-huh. You know, you mean I mean, large numbers of people aren't going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't necessarily buy that argument. I mean, I think climate change is an urgent problem. And I think that, you know, one of the solutions is nuclear power. And that's where, you know, I part ways with a lot of the people you're talking about. Because, but I'm with Steven Pinker who also thinks that climate change is a very urgent problem and wants to solve it, not just, you know, express grief. Although well, that, that is important. Th 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 this is, you know, one of the things that I go into in the book is the urgency of, of a much, much richer conversation between two groups of thinkers that I identify in the book as the innovators. And that would be Pinker and his, you know, uh, ilk, uh, Sam Harris, uh, Elon Musk, and the ecologists, which would include Joanna Macy and Bill McKibben and a whole variety of others. And I, I think that it's important for all of us to be sitting with the fact that these are really, really profound questions. And in one moment, you might feel pretty persuaded about nuclear power. I would want you to be curious to stay in conversation with the more sophisticated and uh, deep uh, objections to that as a, you know, there, there, there are perspectives being offered by the ecologists that need to be paid attention to. Uh, modernists would draw us into a transhumanist future, a future in which we continue to alter the, balances and and dynamics of the living earth in, in an ongoing uh unprecedented experiment that 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 might have untoward con consequences ecologists are you know, undoubtedly would what what experiment doesn't yeah 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 well advocating for a more precautionary disposition is a necessary ingredient in the no, consideration. I, I get that, Terry, and I actually have learned that from you, actually, and I appreciate it. Mm. Uh, and, and, and Joanna Macy's a perfect example. She, you know, to, to see her is to feel it from the neck down. And that, I, I want that. And yeah. that's, the, you know, it's not my natural inclination. I mm. have to do extra practice on that. And, 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 and it also includes the head, you know, it includes, you know, including more of the playing field. Yeah. And, and you have helped me with that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I make a very important point to integralists. Actually, I'd like to surface here because a lot of integral thinkers, you know, are likely to be exposed to, to this uh, conversation, which is that the integral project of having a single perspective that can integrate all of reality is, I think, uh, you know, it's a worthy ambition, but we need to recognize that no matter what, no matter how integral our perspective, it will always be both true and partial. The eagle can see, you know, incredible vistas, 
but it can't see under the trees. It can't smell what's going on on the earth. There's all kinds of things it misses, no matter what we do. We only see some of reality. And therefore, it's very important for us to be, and I use this phrase in the book, in conversation with perspectives different from our own. And that's why I, I really, I could never agree, agree with Pinker as if his perspective was sufficient, especially when he's not deeply respectful of the orientations that Joanna Macy, for example, would bring forward. It definitely needs to be supplemented. And as integralists... Well, well our, wait, wait our, just a second. That, I think that's part of the problem. I mean, can, can you just see that Pinker has a piece of the truth that is sparkling, important, neglected, and... It's not as neglected as, you, as you're making it out to be. It's probably the single most influential perspective at play right now among intelligent people. Because it's he's, not, he's, that, because not that he's, marginalized. Well, well, because he's written two seminal books that were devastating in their uh, effect in, 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 in a positive way, in, in the way of, of breaking people out of the trance that the world is an ever-darkening place. It isn't. Human flourishing is well. Uh, well, it's that doesn't include the interiors. I get that there's an unmooring that not only does it not include include the interiors, it but it is an expression of the exteriors that is impeccable, right. It, that, that, that every postmodernist needs to take on board and yes. really grapple with. On, on the other hand, the, 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 the reason that you and I disagree about this is that I think that the bid for hegemony that modernism is putting forward is dangerous. And I think it's a big cultural danger. And piling into support for Pinker and Harris and the whole rational modernist bid for hegemony is, uh, is, is ultimately a dangerous thing. As Michael Murphy put it to me, they, they want the final solution. They want to kill interiority and bury it forever. Well, that, we don't want that. Mur Murphy believes that it's the issue of the day and that they are the most dangerous. Well, fair enough. But can we as integralists just make the distinction? Yes, you have an essential piece of the truth. And you don't get hegemony. Sorry. Right. Right. It's a difference in tone or a sort of emotional orientation that I think is important for the new consciousness that we you know, are trying to stake out. Well, I mean, this is one of your points of brilliance, Jeff, is that in your very relaxed and welcoming mode of being, you're primarily appreciative of, you know, in turn, Steven Pinker and Joanna Macy, you know, you're, 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 and, and that's what you mainly want to say is to express the appreciation. But, you know, Ken made his reputation originally by emphasizing the critical dimension of, you know, the integral view sees not only how every perspective is true, but how every perspective is partial. <laughs> and so for us to lean in and point out all the limitations of Pinker and the modernists is a necessary function too at certain moments in time, especially when that bid for hegemony has most weight and where some of the countervailing perspectives need, need to be surfaced. Fair you know? enough. Fair yeah. enough. Particularly in a time when, you know, we have the biggest flood in human history in Houston last year and the worst wildfires in American history in California, you know, all hitting us at once, this meta-narrative of the postmodernists that we've overrun Earth's carrying capacity, that we're involved in a, a, an unraveling of human civilization based on the hubris of modernity, that can't be excluded from the discussion. It really needs to be presenced. And, and there's a whole lot of evidence behind that that is powerful. And, you know, that, that, that thesis has as much coherence and evidence behind it as Pinker's does. They both need to coexist in our disposition. We yes. need to be with yes. these, these yes. apparently contradictory yes. truths Even. in conversation with both. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Finally, I, I, I win you over. <laughs> Wait, I thought I, I, I won. <laughs> 
uh, uh, Terry and I have been having this conversation for a long, <laughs> long old time. But I always learn. Well, that's because you were you were you were raised by Trump voters, and I was raised exactly. By, it's so true by by socialists. Exactly, <laughs> it's so true. It's funny, and and I actually do see that that's one of the special gifts you bring. And one of the special gifts that I get from you is that you have, you know, you were raised in that soup of progressivism. And then you went to an ashram and and you've had very, very uh, intense, large experience of communal, um, you know, functionality. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the territory that you get with that, that you don't get anywhere else. I mean, you're a real you know, expert is probably not even the right word, a master of that territory. And, you know, God bless you for, you know, dumbing it down for us civilians as best you can. (laughs) Well, I I think a a new Republic of the heart is a pretty deep read. It's a, it's a, it's a book that has, it, it brings a lot of different perspectives together. And what I think is a, an unprecedented synthesis. I really do think that the uh, richness of that synthesis is is an important uh, uh, evolution of, of 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 integral perspectives. And and you know the other thing that I offer that is <clears throat> well again you know in this dialogue in which the the <laughs> which you're holding up Pinker and I'm holding up the 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 healthy green, you know, contradictory truths yeah, right um, on. are, you know, kind of continues. But I, I propose that in an era in which the ecological predicament is humanity's most important life condition, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a systemic scale, the truths of postmodernism have to come forward. And I propose that the next evolution... That, uh, what, well, just even what, theoretically, the integral uh, view has to include the best of the postmodern vision. Of course. Just, but, 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 but initially, inter- the integral view had to distinguish itself from postmodernism. So we yeah. had the allergies and the, and the extreme critiques of Green, which are all valid and important. And we culturally aligned a bit more with modernists because at least modernists were rational and they weren't involved in all these, you know, the, the, the anti-modern allergies of postmodernism we particularly wanted to critique and, and, and not stand with. But I think that the next phase of the integral movement is going to be one that re-embraces the enduring truths of, uh, of postmodernism, particularly in relationship to the living earth as the Absolutely. substrate of all human thriving. No question about it. It's the first stage where we see it and yeah. feel it. And exactly. Of course, we have to take it online. And so, so I think that the, the, the deep analysis of, you know, what's called deep ecology has this inherent validity, that there is no human thriving outside of a thriving living earth. And, yep. and, and, and we can't just overcome it with a transpersonal, excuse me, transhuman, uh, you know, like, let, let's, yeah, well, it's inevitable that we've trashed this planet. Let's go to Mars and get some faster than light. Uh, space travel and go colonize other planets and leave it all behind. All, that, all in due time, maybe. Who knows? But well, in the meantime, I, I think we need to love this beautiful blue planet. I a do lot too. In the meantime, I do too. And act like it's all we got. Let's let's <laughs> yeah, let's. I think so. Let's too. take it as a possibility that it might be all we got, and really love her in every way we can. Uh, and I don't think the modernists are as good as at that in some important ways no, as they could be. Absolutely true. Absolutely. That's why I call it radical integral ecology, that the, inter- the next stage of the integral synthesis is a radical integral ecology that integrates all the truths of deep ecology, but then isn't limited by them. It needs to be integral. Deep ecology on its own, as I point out, is an inadequate synthesis because it doesn't take into account interiors. It, it, it doesn't appreciate the importance of the modern and rational foundations of, uh, of, of a postmodern or integral uh, worldview. So, you know, clearly that, that's important. But we have, we, we have a moment in which 
integral consciousness is so badly needed in the rough and tumble of current events. It's, it needs to be brought to bear in a way that it hasn't been. And, and, and for us to all become engaged and for us to recognize that the future is an emergent that we're co-creating and we have a responsibility to create the kind of future we, you know, we have a responsibility to all, you know, to the future, to, to a thriving future, to a, uh, that is so important. Hallelujah. And, and, and it's not um, the first phase of the integral movement was to create the, the worldview in the first place and to distinguish it from mere postmodern approaches. Mm -hmm. So good. And I think that that's actually done and that we're rounding a corner. Mm -hmm. And I hope my book helps people recognize that, um, that, that this evolution of consciousness and culture is in our hands and it's dynamic and alive and that it can rejoin. Uh, we don't just have to promote the creation of the integral project. The integral project can now begin to be an effective uh, voice and uh, liberating influence on uh, and what's a somewhat more mainstream, you know, stream of... of well, it's of, almost like, Terry, you're, you, 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 you were the impetus behind Integral Life Practice co-author, beautiful book about this individual uh, integral practice. It's almost like this book is more of that too, but also a collective integral practice. And that's why I really do encourage any, you know, serious... Uh, uh, integralist or somebody who's interested in this to read it because it really does map out this new territory in a new way that felt really transmissive to me, Terry. Mm. And I really appreciate it and recommend it. Why don't you hold it up again? Yeah. No, I really hope people will take this book home, read it, read every word of it. I think I've got something to say that's worthwhile and I hope you'll take it to heart. I agree. A new Republic of the heart an Ethos for Revolutionaries by Terry Patton. Well, Terry, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much, my friend. I love wrestling with you. I know. <laughs> I know. We get to wrestle. It's such good fun. It is. M more to come. All right. Uh, and uh, Yeah. So, and thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Wonderful. Thank you.